0: Fans, teachhoops.com slash 816basketball has all the resources that you need to be a better coach, period. Today's basketball coaches are dedicated, year-round workers who face fierce competition to keep their jobs. And excellent instruction is out there, but finding it is inconvenient, unorganized, and it can be hit or miss. So visit teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Sign up for the free trial. You're going to want to go past that free trial. We guarantee it. And be sure to join our good friend, Billy Kegler, on the Competitive Mindset Podcast, where guests share how they differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. Join along on the journey to lifelong learning and improved performance with the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Follow on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio.
1: Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. The chance for us to catch up with coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a college coach, a high school coach, a JV coach, an assistant coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest.
0: Or it could be someone that manages... Uh, a website, a social media conglomerate, you name it. Maybe that website has maybe a couple million page views every month. Who knows? But I tell you what, that is our guest today. He is the Dirt King, hoopdirt.com's founder he runs it he's a former college coach Adam Nelson welcome to the greatest games podcast
2: hey man thank you guys for having me really really excited to be here I like how you called it uh conglomerate whatever we are yeah that's you know that's that's the uh that's the idea we just we (laughs) we want to dominate the uh we want to dominate the internet we want to dominate social media so whatever whatever good words you want to say, I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> Dominate you do. And if I, I know all of our listeners are following hoopdirt.com or at hoop dirt on, on Twitter, but if you aren't hit pause right now at hoop dirt or hoop com. you'll want to check it out. Unbelievable what you do.
2: Yeah. What the, you know what I, I appreciate it. And, and you know, honestly, it, it's, it's a labor of love. I absolutely love what I do. I love, um, working with coaches. Like you said, I was a former college coach. I spent 20 years coaching college basketball, made so many good connections. Um, and, and this is really the way for me to, to just, you know, talk to guys that I know every day. And, and one of the things that I really am passionate about, and I say it a lot is, um, is helping coaches. And that's really the main thing that we do at hoop I want to help coaches. I want to help coaches advance in the business. Um, and I was there um, you know, started out as a, you know, working as a student at the university of South Carolina at Boston college, worked my way up as a unpaid division three assistant, then became your know, division one assistant, small college head coach. But, but so I've seen it all and I've seen it all at all levels. Um, so I really love helping coaches. And then I think sometimes people get the, the idea of hoop dirt, you, you know, wrong a little bit. think we're just trying to break stuff and, and have scoop and dirt and this and that, but, and that stuff is great and we do love it. But, um, Uh, you know, the, the real reason that this thing started was to help coaches. So, um, if I can do that, then, then, you know, I'm a happy man.
1: Uh, well, coach, you kind of stole my thunder here a little bit. Well, let me say first about hoop dirt, uh, was a favorite of Jeremy shy and I's back in the day, we would go back and forth and be like, Oh, I saw this posted on hoop dirt that so-and-so might be going here, you know, in that, in that March, April time period when, when there's really, uh, stuff going on jeremy shy and i would always uh, be bouncing back and forth with that but th- i was going to ask you to give your resume kind of yeah. take us through your stops and you, you sort of did that already
2: <laughs> well yeah I, you know, I, I apologize for stealing your thunder sometimes i get talking too much and i'll, I'll get on a roll but I, I can keep going not a problem <laughs> sure just but, expound
1: a little bit on that starting yeah, as a student no, manager at south carolina and
2: yep yep, yep. um you know, now, I hey, I was- adam
1: i do want to say this you don't sound like you're from south carolina
2: So I am definitely not from South Carolina. I'm a Boston guy born and bred. Um, I've lived in Boston my whole life, except for two years in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, And, and, you know, like I said, so I I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a college basketball coach, Um, you know, obviously was not good enough to play in the SEC or or the Big East. So uh, was fortunate to be able to hook on as a student my first year down at the University of South Carolina. Uh, and made some really great connections there. Steve Newton was the head coach my first year, and then Eddie Fogler came in my next year. Uh, but like I said, I was a, a Boston kid, and you know, living living in Columbia was great, but a little bit different, a little different for me. Uh, so I did make the journey back home and, and and finished out my my career as a student at, the, at Boston College. Was fortunate to work with the team there. Um, you know, another great experience. You know, at, at South Carolina, you know, Eddie Fogler had just come come over from Vanderbilt, was the national coach of the year. Then I got to work for another national coach of the year at Boston college and Jim O'Brien. So made some really great connections through those guys and moved into the coaching world. Uh, my first job uh, was, was a division three assistant at Curry college, small school in Milton, Massachusetts, division three school. Uh, the head coach at Curry was Pat scary. Pat's now the head coach at Towson. Um, Pat and I've been long, long time, good friends. Now uh, when, when I went over to Curry, I was 22, he was 26, 26 year old head coach. Uh, but we ran all over new England recruiting every kid that was breathing. And to me, it was a great experience that it really taught me. You know, I learned a lot of basketball from, from coach Fogler and coach O'Brien, but really I learned how to cut my teeth recruiting with Pat, um, at Curry and was fortunate enough to parlay that to a couple of division one jobs, uh, was an assistant at Holy Cross was an assistant at Northeastern. Um, and then, uh, and I loved my, my time at the division one level, um, but that's what I just started having a family around the end there, and um, had some some opportunities at division three level. Became the head coach at Becker College division three school out Worcester, moved on to Newbury College division three school in Brookline, Mass, and then spent uh, ten years as the head basketball coach at Suffolk University, uh, right in the heart of downtown Boston, and um, you know really really good good spot. And I enjoyed you know fifteen years as a division three head coach. I really enjoyed it, um, and I think I missed missed the division one level. And you know it's one of those things where you you. you and a lot of people told me when I took my first Division three job, like, if you're going to leave Division one level, you're, you're probably not coming back. And, and I don't know if I believed them or not, but I should have believed them. And, and I think that's one of the, you know, uh, like I said, I enjoyed my time at Division three, but I missed being at the Division one level. Um, but really, during my time at Suffolk is when, when we started HoopDirt.com. And, and towards the end of my time at Suffolk, it just got too big um, to really coach and, and run HoopDirt correctly. Um, And especially, you know, coaching against guys and and you see them. And when I was doing that, I was still kind of like people didn't know who I was. It was kind of like the secret, you know, that was the dirt king. People don't really know who I was. Um, But but it's made it a lot better for me since I've stopped coaching. And now people know who I am Um, because now people just call me. It's much easier for me to get information. Um, People are more open with me. Um, you know, I don't have to send them these kind of cryptic texts, you know, <laughs> here and there, like people got me, you know, it, and I tell people like my, m- now my cell phone number is all over the website. Uh, if, if you want it, you know, shoot me a DM, I'll tell you my cell number or go on the website. It's there, you know, I'm not trying to hide anything. So that's really, I think, think me getting out is really when, when Hoopka really, really started to grow and our stuff started getting a lot better. Um, so, so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's, um, just love, love doing what I do now.
1: So, you, you said you kind of knew right away you wanted to coach. What was it about coaching? You know, I, like you said, you weren't good enough to, none of us were good enough to play in the NBA, right? You yeah, all, yeah. we all figure that out pretty early, guys like us. But what, what made you want to coach? Was it someone that you had as a coach when you were younger? What sort of fueled that in you?
2: No, you know, what, I, to be honest, I just love the game of basketball. I love being around it, everything about it. Uh, and especially my time at South Carolina and Boston College, like the high major division one level as an 18 19 20 year old kid the things you see like that just draws you like it, it's amazing and some of the stuff that i was involved with at, at south carolina you know with the, with the bobby Kremen stuff coming in for three days and then the, the whole and learning from coach fogo i mean some of the stuff that i saw just really kind of fueled my passion to to want to do this even more um and then like i said working with a guy like pat scary at towson who taught me the the recruiting. And I I learned a lot of the recruiting, especially, you know, at Boston college, you know, Paul Biancardi was one of our assistants and I learned a ton from him about recruiting. Um, but then really working for scary for two years, like I was just so passionate. I I just love the recruiting, like the chase, the grind, um, you know, so kind of putting all those together is, you know, as a young guy, um, me, you know, solidify the fact I really wanted to coach.
0: You know, it's been a few episodes since we've had a, a former student manager on the show, and I know we were talking uh, off the air before we hit record about some of the some of the stories. But I, I want to focus in on some of the lessons that you learned. You talk about just you just wanted to be a, be around the game, wanted to coach, and what a great place to be able to do it as a in this case a high, a high division one student manager. So what are some of those lessons that you learned then that maybe you're, you're still using today? And even a bonus points if you well if you throw in a Mac Craddell story if you have oh
2: Mac Craddell wow I, you know Mac was Max the Mac was the best. Wow. Uh, great, great blast from the past name, by the way. You know what? There was a lot of there was a lot of things I learned, uh, you know, from Coach Fogler, from Coach O'Brien and from from the, the coaches that were with those guys. Um, and I know we, we talked about off the air, but uh, when I was in South Carolina, Jeff Lebo, uh, Rick Callahan and Neil Doherty, who, who unfortunately passed away, were on the staff. And some of the, the things I learned from those guys as far as, you know, being truthful, being honest, what what happens in the gym stays in the gym. Um, but really, and I think one of the, one of the things that really, really stuck with me and that's helped me through my, my life, I guess, is lessons that I learned from coach Doherty. Uh, so I would help coach Doherty a lot with the recruit mailings. And back then, you know, so we're talking 1993, 94, you know, the technology wasn't the same. So recruit mailings, a lot of stuff, like we're cutting and pasting stuff, running it through the copy machine. So I would cut and paste stuff for him and i bring it back to him and he'd say, not not good enough. I can see I can see a little bit of a black line. You know, I can see a little bit of something where you cut and paste. And I was like, like I would be like, come on, man. Like, it's pretty good. But he would send me back and send me like stuff that we sent out had to be so perfect. Um, and there's a reason because we're competing, you know, for for high major players against other high major schools. Like you, the stuff and I take that in my life, like, you know, stuff I, I send out you know, it can't be half-assed. Like the stuff I do, it has to be perfect. And a lot of that stuff I've learned from coach Doherty. Um, and, and to be honest, a lot of it carries over to, to the website um, where, you know, 90% of the stuff that goes up on the website, I do. Um, and, and some other stuff we do have some interns and some other people that put stuff up, but, but sometimes I, I go crazy and I take stuff down and I fix it. Or a lot of stuff there's stuff that I could pass off to an intern, but like, I can't because like, it has, like, I, it, it has to be perfect. Um, We do have someone who does a lot of jobs for us, and, and like I go nuts when I see some of the stuff up there, like it's formatted a little incorrectly, or a little, you know there's a, a comma in the wrong spot. And that's to be honest, a hundred percent. I learned that from Coach Doherty, and, and that stayed with me forever. I think that's one of my biggest, um, you know, my biggest takeaways from from working with him. And then you know, Coach Fogler, and, and really Coach O'Brien at Boston College. You know, if you watch like Coach O'Brien coach a game. Um, you know, he took Ohio State to the Final Four. There's times like he would yell, and his face was so red. And you're looking at this guy like, man, how could you play for this guy? He's like up in your in your face, yelling at you. But, you, but, but he just cared so much. Like you knew that. And you know, like I said, what what, what happens on the court stays on the court. Like stuff that happens on practice, cool. It's, it, you know, guy, he's doing it because he loves it, and He's trying to make it better. And that's kind of what like I learned too. Like you can be tough on somebody, and and you know. Explain to them, they, you know, they shouldn't take it personal. I'm not yelling at you because I dislike you. I'm yelling at you because I care so much and I want you to care so much. I'm trying to get the best out of you. And and those are lessons I think, like, Coach Fogler and Coach O'Brien were, were really similar um, in, in what they taught me.
1: Well, Brian wants, but I'm interrupting Brian too bad. <laughs> Adam, Brian, he's told the story on this podcast before, but I don't care. He's got to tell the story again. Go yeah. ahead, Brian.
0: Well, okay. I'll tell the story in a second, but i tell you, Adam, like for, for real, you've just helped me breathe a little bit deeper. I am that detail guy. <laughs> I'm looking at the website when I'm, and I have the hardest time delegating things as an AD and and it's, it's the busy job. And I know you know that, and I need to be able to hand things off and then I'll hand them off and I'll see what people did. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. but there's yeah. that common needs to be there, you know. Oh, you know, and it's so it's so hard for me to let go of those reins. So I really appreciate that story. Um, and okay, and so real quick, we I was doing a mail out with Kenny who was our uh, one of our assistants at the time when I was a GA back at back at South Carolina. And Blas, I don't know if I've told this story on the air or not, but anyway, long story short, we were doing uh, an SAT word of the week every week, and uh, Kenny gave me a list of uh, of words to pick from, and I uh, picked uh, the word winsome. Uh, that week, which means beautiful and pleasing. And uh, he was at, he asked me to put that into a sentence and always gear it towards Gamecock basketball. And so <laughs> just to in, in the spirit of just messing with Kenny that a little bit, i I wrote, I put the you know Gamecock logo, winsome, I defined it, And I said, my dad always told me, you win some and you lose some. That's <laughs> what we believe in Gamecock <laughs> basketball. <laughs> and I printed it out just like you know, up goes Doherty and I put it on Ke- uh, Kenny's desk. And I kind of forgot about it a few hours later. I hear Rose, Rose, tell me this <laughs> didn't go out. I said, Keep on, what are you talking about? And so we just had just the best laugh about uh, Winsome. Some, some uh, I, that's pretty good. That I like that. I like
1: that. That's a good one. <laughs> you win some and you listen. It's true though. You know, it is. <laughs> Adam, I'm going to gear toward Hoop Dirt a little here with this question. How many flipping texts do you get a day?
2: man, <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. A lot of people ask me, it's crazy. I don't know. Um, you know what? So our, our busy time really from the end of February through about July, mid August, um, it, it's nuts. I mean, it's, it, it's like, like, I, I could tell you it's like indescribable. You wouldn't even believe me. And I tell you, I, I say, it's a lot. Like I have the best wife in the world and the best kids in the world because they're so understanding, um, you know, from, from March on, like it, it is so constant, um, you know, it, it, between texts, calls, emails, uh, people, that will DM me. Uh, I also have like a super secret Google number that, that some people have. Um, <laughs> it, it's like it, it just doesn't stop. It, and I think one of the things that, that makes it difficult, too, is, you know, we deal with the You know, we're not just dealing with the East Coast, we're dealing with the West Coast. So, you know, nine o'clock at night here after a busy day, if I'm trying to settle down, well, it's six o'clock there and I'm <laughs> starting to kind of, you know, move a little bit. And um, yeah, so from it's never ending from from March on. And, and, and like I said, I really understand family. You know, we have four kids here. Um, we, we try to go away every April during school vacation for April vacation. And obviously that's like in the busiest time in my wife and kids. are, are They understand. I mean, I've, we've been on on a beach in Florida where I have to excuse myself and go back to the room and get some stuff up. We uh, we were at the top of the CN Tower a couple years ago in April and I'm banging away st- I remember standing on that glass floor on the top of the CN Tower yes. you're looking like you know a million feet down into like, Rogers Centre into the stadium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm texting away like, you know, cuz stuff's happening. So, yeah, I, I mean just the amount of of you know people that that reach out or people that I have to reach out to and you know, it's it's but but it's awesome. And I friggin love it. It's, it, you know, and that's, that's why I do it. I mean, that's, I love talking to coaches. I love talking to uh, ADs. I love talking to agents, search firm guys. I mean, they all reach out. I talk to them all. Um, and I love it. And I, and I say it a lot, you know, it's not just the, the division one guys, you know, I love talking to uh, anybody, junior college guys, the NAIA guys, everybody reaches out. And I think that's the one thing that's special about Hoopter, you know, obviously we have, a lot of division one stuff, but we, we covered division two, II, division three, NAIA junior college. It's all basketball. You know, it's all college basketball. And I think, you know, I got into a little bit on Twitter with some guys like, you know, John Rothstein kept tweeting, you know, 68 days till the start of college basketball. Well, heck, you know, a bunch of NAIs had already started. Um, so, you know, it's all, it's all college basketball. And that's, I love, you know, there'll be days I'll talk to, a, or I'll text with a high major guy and the next guy I talk to is a, you know, part-time junior college assistant. Love it. Great. I'm going to talk to them all. And I love hearing from them all. So that's, um, that, that's what I love about it. It's just there's so many different people that I hear from,
0: you know, Adam, you hit on a little bit. Obviously, obviously having an understanding family, which is obviously huge. Um, I talked to my coaches a lot. and I talk to myself a lot about just that, that self care, being able to shut it down even on a daily basis. So how do you, and, and maybe, maybe there is no balance really once, it, once it gets busy, but how do you really take care of yourself when things get really just breakneck speed?
2: Um, you can't you know, honestly. And, and I, and I say that in, in all seriousness, it, it's one of the, it's one of the hardest things that I have to do. Um, so, and I, and I think, you know, for, for those of you who know don't know, you know, I'm also a college AD in my, in my real job. So a lot of it, especially, you know, March, April, May, you know, I, I work as an AD um, and we have some things set up, but then I get home and it's bonkers and it's just all night working. Um, so, so the, the turning it off from March through May, June, July, it, it doesn't happen a lot but it's fine, you know, but I love it. Like I said, they're understanding and it does quiet down September, October, November, you know, we're on the websites, mostly we're we're doing clinics, we're doing coach of the week stuff, you know, some hirings here and there. So there's definitely, so that's kind of like the, the, the kind of take a breather, um, you know, working on some, some content to still stay relevant. And I think we've, we've worked with some really good partners Uh, with Dr. Dish and Just Play Solutions where they've gotten content up for us. We have a, 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 you know, a drill of the week. We've got our coach of the week. We've got some hoops insights up there. So the the website's relevant, but for me, that's time to kind of decompress a little bit and and gear up. But, but honestly, like, um, you know, taking, taking time and, and decompressing in, in that busy season just doesn't, doesn't happen but but to be honest but like to me it's not work though you know like it's time consuming it really is and and like i said very understanding family here um but i love it and i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't do it differently
0: yeah well and you mentioned uh, a couple of your sponsor just play i've, I've got a chance to I go to the final four every year outside of pandemics of course yeah. uh and i've gotten to see the just play solutions and the dr dish but yeah. Just play just uh that's that's one uh, just a, a whole other level of, of technology and what dr dish is doing is amazing too but that's uh two two great partners you've got there for sure
2: yeah no, uh, I, go,
1: go ahead, go right. ahead go ahead uh we want to take we want you to take us into your greatest games you gave us two uh, let's start off, you know, let's start off there in uh, Boston. Take us <laughs> into the gym. Tell us, you know, let us smell the Irish sweat in the gym. And uh, tell us about this first greatest game. we yeah, yeah.
2: great. Th- this is it. W- without doubt, the greatest game I've ever been involved with. Uh, 2007 GNAC playoffs, Division Three division conference, great Northeast Athletic Conference. Uh, so I was the head coach at Suffolk University. Suffolk is on Beacon Hill right across the park from Suffolk is Emerson college, our biggest rival. We, we meet them in the first round of the playoffs. We're the sixth. They're the three best road trip in college, in college basketball. We literally walk across the park as a team, you know, it's awesome. You know, we're, we're jazzed up. We're ready to play. It was my second year there. Um, and we go down, uh, 25 in the first half pretty quickly. I just went and looked back at some of the numbers Yeah, we, we were down 25. Uh, it seemed like, uh, you know, was not going to be our night, but we, we had a, a player for us, John Murphy. Uh, Murph was the number five leading scorer in the nation at the time, was averaging t- just over 24 points a game. Uh, unfortunately, a couple weeks prior, Murph had lost his brother. His brother passed away suddenly. Um, you know, Murph is, is, is one of the toughest kids I've ever met in my life. We go down 25. We go in the locker room at halftime and Murph just flips out saying this, he's not going out like this. His career is not ending like this. You know, he was a senior, went off like like you never seen. Like, okay, cool. He, he's fired up. Maybe we're fired up. Let's, let's make a run and see what happens. I don't know what happened. And it's not like one of those things where we, yeah, you know, you get down big, you always tell you guys, chip away, chip away, chip away. I don't know what happened. Emerson ran into a buzzsaw. We blew them out of the gym in the second half. I mean, like it wasn't close. With With like six minutes to go in the game, we're looking at us like, wow, we're, we're, we, we won this thing. This was amazing. But the, the, the best part of it, like, you know, we, we, we came back, the energy, the emotion. I've never been in a post game locker room like that. And that's, you know, just, just the emotion that, that what, what Murph did for us, like Murph put us on his back because of the stuff that was going on in his life. He, he's one of the best players I've ever coached, one of the best people I've ever been around just the, the, the raw emotion post game. And people would say, you know, I mean, coaching's hard, man. You guys know what coaching, especially at the division three level college basketball, there's no dead period for recruiting. You're out recruiting all the time. You're away from your family all the time. You know, the money at the division three level is terrible. And people would say a lot, like, why do you coach? And I would say, man, that locker room after that Emerson game, you can't you can't replicate that feeling. You can't, you can't even describe it. You, you know, if you don't live this, you don't know that feeling. And that is the best feeling in, in the world. Like, you know, very few times have I been in a post-game locker room or felt a feeling like that, but that's why we coach, you know, for someone like Murph to be able to put us on his shoulders and, and kind of, you know, help maybe his recovery a little bit from what just happened was, was honestly like the the best game I've ever been a part of. And, you know, Emerson, you know, it's this tiny gym. It's like six floors underground. The fans are on top of you yelling and screaming It's just one of those, you know, uh, you know, unbelievable atmosphere across the park. Like it was really the, the, the best game I have ever, ever been involved with. Um, yeah. Unreal. All
1: right, coach. Hang on here for a second. Got a trivia question for Brian. Don't no, answer. I'll
0: miss, but go we'll, we'll <laughs> okay. keep past this, but go ahead. What
1: famous. Oh, Irish red-headed Boston comedian actor producer went to Emerson College.
0: When you were saying red-headed all I could think was Pete Gillen and then you went actor
1: and I'm <laughs> like oh, actor comedian stand-up comedian actor producer TV He had has multiple has had multiple successful TV shows.
0: I can't get Pete Gillen out of my head this is <laughs> crazy. <Keep going. laughs> I, know,
2: I don't uh, even know who not I, I tell you what, Emerson is known for like their TV, film. TV, film, acting school, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, my first guess would be like Dennis Leary. It is Dennis Leary. Oh. Oh. All right. Well, look at that. Okay. All right. Dennis Leary. I love uh, Rescue Me is one of my favorite shows ever. I love <laughs> Dennis Leary. <laughs> um,
1: I don't know if I want to go to halftime or the postgame. Uh, maybe halftime because you said Murph. when When you get into the locker room, is he already going off? Or or yeah. And do you say anything or do you just say, all right, back out onto the floor?
2: Yeah. So, you you know, as, as coaches, you you give your guys a little bit of time in the locker room before you go in. And I remember we we had to go in quick because we didn't, we thought they were fighting. We didn't know what was going on. Like it was something was going on in there. So we busted in. And yeah, I mean, I just remember, and and, and we had a bunch of seniors, like we had a really mature team and we we had some younger knuckleheads too, but we we had a really mature team and just, you know, just kind of like the passion that Murph was going off with, like, it, it was one of those things. Like I, I just, I remember just letting him go, and not saying anything afterwards. Just saying, "All right, let's roll." You know, like this is, you know, it's like I, it would have been for for me to say anything would have would have like, you know, brought the temperature in the room down. It just like, ruined it. <laughs> exactly. Like he did it. Like I, you know, and it wasn't planned. It was just like like raw emotion. Like he he got them fired up. Like that that team literally won a game from Murph. You Know yeah. and like I said, he put us on his shoulders. I mean, he, again, he's one of the best players I've ever coached. Murph was, I think we listed him as 5'9, he was probably 5'8, you know, a little stocky. Uh, but again, to average just over 24 points a game as a senior at the division three level, I mean, he was just you know phenomenal and then just really b- between what he did and what the guys did for him, like, just indescribable.
1: I, you know, I could just I'm not, I don't know you as a coach, I don't know you at all, but. Uh, the way I see a coach ruining that type of halftime is that interjecting with some sort of, um, uh, some sort of, um, like technical thing, like let's make sure we reverse the ball against their two, three zone, you know, like coach yeah. nothing. We don't
2: need it. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. And that, and I remember, and I, you know, and especially in that game specifically, I remember like, you know, I, you know, we're, we're coming back and I said, we came back really quickly. And I do remember like there, there was a time, like, you know, my guys were saying like, coach, maybe we should try this, try this. I was like, stop. We're not trying anything. Give Murph the ball, get out of the way. You know, like that, we're not like, honestly, in the second half, like, I don't know if we called a set. It was like, literally like, let's just, let's go. You know, we ran, we pressed, we, sh- and that's one of the things that, that all my teams just Suffolk, like, you know, we, we may not, we were never the best defensive teams, but we're always trying to score a hundred. We're always trying to shoot and make as many three as threes as possible. And Emerson had like such a tight gym with, with, you know, the walls right behind the basket. Like we, we were shooting threes and making threes. I was like, yep, not calling anything. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, fellas. Keep going. I'm just, you know, I was basically a cheerleader in the second half and thankfully I didn't screw it up and we won the game, <laughs> uh, but you know, the, 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 the funny now part to the story. You know, we were all jazzed up. You know, we we, you know, walking back across the park after the game was awesome. You know, we're now headed to the semifinals because we just beat Emerson. So we're thinking, hey, we're going Riviera University up in New Hampshire they're like the number two seed or whatever. Hey, we're going to go beat them. We have so much momentum. We're going to go beat them. We're fired up to play them Thursday night. We're up 10 at the half at Riviera. We're like, here we go. We're rolling. I don't know what happened to Riviera in the second half. The wheels fell off. I got thrown out with about three minutes to go and we lost the game by 10. So, (laughs) you know, stuff happens, but that Emerson game was great.
1: (laughs) There you went trying to coach again in that Riviera game. (laughs) You know, that
2: was it. I mean, I just, I remember walking off, you know, you're so, and that's, you know, it's the game of basketball, right? It's, you know, possession by possession, game by game. Like, we were so high Tuesday night with Emerson. And I remember walking off that court Thursday after getting ejected, you know, walking through this like crowd of people because there was no path to the locker room. They'd like part the C's for me. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Like, we came, we were so high on Tuesday night. And now I got to walk through all these people in New Hampshire who are screaming and yelling at me on Thursday night. Our season's over. So, yeah, it's a funny game, basketball. <laughs>
0: It, it is, and, and, and Adam, go back to that locker room. After the win, you're celebrating, and I just did some quick Googling. I was going to ask Chris this question, but it's not fair because I didn't know the answer either. Twitter, This is kind of ironic to me. Twitter started in 2006. This game was in 2007, and so it's almost kind of like this might be one of the, the last few games that you get in the locker room. There's not anybody there with the phone or a camera, anything. And y'all are just celebrating. And, and like you talk about Murph losing a brother and just this, just just loving interchange in a locker room without all this media attention and just being basketball coaches and basketball players together enjoying an incredible win. It just, it just kind of struck me as, as, as kind of ironic.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. It, it was just, just awesome. Like, it, it was just us. Like, that was us. It was just like, our, it, you know, the, the locker room in Emerson is so small and we're like on top of each other. But like, it didn't matter of like you know everyone's hugging each other and we're like punching lockers and like you know it's just yeah just that emotion and then like you know n- nobody ever knew and that's cool like nobody ever knew about it and I remember we, we walked back and you know there, there was no you know our games weren't live streamed then you know people weren't doing anything on Twitter really um, and I think our women's team had been in a playoff game that night too so we we walked back just to put our stuff in the office before we went out drinking as a staff but anyway we, we put our stuff in the office and, and went down we saw my athletic director was still there and uh, he looked, he said, oh, I saw the halftime score. It didn't work out too well, huh? I was like, no, we won. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I mean, that's, again, that's the difference 2007 today. Like, he, did, he had no idea that we won because there was really no way to find out that we won. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool, too, telling him that, yeah, we, we, we won.
1: <laughs> All right, Coach. Now your second game, this is going to be a favorite for Brian and I being – you know sec cut our teeth in the sec with coach fogler at south carolina and you're going to talk about one of the great venues in the sec memorial gymnasium go ahead and take us back to this game in february of 1995.
2: yeah that's you know again how how old i am and i was it i don't know was it i don't think it was 95 it might have been 94. It had to be oh 90, you put 95, 95 so I'm i mean i probably put the wrong know. date that's on me it's but it had to be 94. <laughs>
1: Because it was Coach Fogler. This is the guy game. talking about the perfection on his website. I know, right? I'm going to go
2: back and check to see if I screwed that up. If I screwed it up, I'm sorry. God <laughs> darn it. Um, anyway, so you know what? It, it, it's it, it's not just the game. It's like everything leading up to this Vanderbilt game, right? You know, so Coach Fogler. So, and it, you know, stepping back even, even further than that, you know, Bobby Cremins was hired at, at South Carolina after Steve Newton left. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, was, I, I spent three almost three full days with Bobby Cremins when, when he, he came over from Georgia Tech. And I still remember walking into the, the office the day he left and, and I looked at the secretary and, and her face was like pale. I was like, What's wrong? Cheryl. Cheryl, that's it. You got Cheryl, it? Cheryl. Cheryl. And, yep. And, and Cheryl yeah. looked at me and, and and I said, What's wrong? And she said, Bobby's gone. I was like, What do you mean Bobby's gone? I, I don't even know what that means. She said, Yeah, his wife just picked him up. They're they're going back to Georgia Tech. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> it was like you know, unbelievable. But anyway, so you know, Coach Fulger, so after that, you know it, it, it's an it's a interesting time with South Carolina basketball. They had to make a splash hire. So coach Fulgert, you know, just won the national coach of the year at Vanderbilt in the league. They hire him. Great. Right. So people at South Carolina are happy after what happened with coach Kremen's, but the people at Vanderbilt are obviously not happy. Right. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of back and forth and, and just kind of this, this whole kind of return to Nashville was something for me that'll, that'll always uh, be with me and, and to be so close to coach Fogler during that time. I, mean, I remember just, you know, coming into the airport, getting off, you know, people like yelling and booing at him. It was kind of cool. Um, pulling into the, to the gym on the bus. I, I was obviously near the front. And, and the first thing we see is this guy holding, like smiling. It's like, you know, welcome home coach Fogler, this big sign. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And then he flips it around and says, go home, Eddie. Oh. No, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. This is going to be like this. So, um, you know, we, we get to the gym and, and, you know, he doesn't come out before the game. And, you know, Memorial Gym in the old days, the, the baskets were, the, the benches were underneath. Yeah. The I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the visiting locker rooms at the far end. So to get to your bench, you have to walk 94 feet on an elevated court with the sidelines are so wide too. So, like, you're just in the middle. So we're getting ready to go out. And, and I think everybody else is out there. I don't know why it's, I, I'm like near him. And he says, hey, we're going, stay close. And I was like, holy, <laughs> cool. okay. You know, so, so the two of us, and as soon as we hit the floor, they start booing and yelling and screaming and, and you know, walking 94 feet. And I don't want to say next to coach Foger because I definitely backed off. <laughs> so I was a little bit behind him, but, but it's, it literally me and him walking 94 feet, you know, to the opposite bench to me was something like, and that place was packed because this was, you know, it was an important game. Um, and I don't remember a ton about the game. I know we won by two and I know that, but just, just kind of, you know, we talked earlier about like, why, why do I want to coach? Why, you know, it's a game like that. Like, wow. Just kind of being involved in that whole thing, that whole process, the whole thing leading up to it, walking out on the court, like we did. Um, you know, I will never, ever uh, forget that. And it's funny the next year. So I, I transferred to Boston college the next year and, and interesting a lot, enough, like we actually played a non-conference game down at Vanderbilt, uh, you know, in, in 95. So um, making that walk the next year, you know with with boston college we were in the big east at the time no one cares we made the walk 94 feet played the game and it was fine you know no big deal but you know it was just to me that's like a game that just really stands out like i said just the whole from 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 traveling there to getting to the gym to the pregame stuff and and actually winning a game was pretty cool but that that, that always stands out in my mind is something that really kind of solidified why why i want to do this and why i want to be in this business just that atmosphere um that atmosphere at vanderbilt at the time was really cool
1: yeah uh coach fogler um I know like really enjoyed his time in Nashville and at Vanderbilt yeah. university. It's, it's a great place. I, I have some connection through some family there uh, with the old athletic director, CM Newton, who, sure. who uh, Fogler actually replaced his head coach, or no, Van Brednikoff. And then CM Newton was the AD and helped hire Fogler there. And, uh, but Vanderbilt is a, is a great atmosphere for basketball. It really is. And people don't, I don't think it always gets the credit
2: that it deserves. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think, it's hard because in the SEC like you go to Tennessee and you go to Kentucky and you know some of these places are just you know I remember the first time at, at Tennessee just kind of looking up and just seeing orange for miles yeah uh, you know same thing at Kentucky it's like you know you're like you're all when you walk in there but Vanderbilt when you walk into that gym I mean it's 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 impressive um it's like a really cool place um you know when we played there and the, and the place was packed it's a it's a hard place to play um, but really and it's unique and it's a really unique environment and, and you know, that being said, Nashville's a great city. I mean, I love Nashville. What a great, what
1: a great place. <laughs> you got two, you got two people here that are on the national tourism board.
2: Myself.
1: <laughs> um, I will say this Vanderbilt's one of the five worst uh, uh, places to film a game from though. Cause it's uh, you have to walk all the way up to the very tippy top of the arena and you have to go up this little stairwell to get into that little booth. That's uh, it is awful. It's horrible.
2: Yeah, I believe Even someone who had to
1: do it a bunch. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. But yeah, no, there's definitely, you know, I've been been in a lot of, been in a lot of really cool gyms, but I think, yeah, Vanderbilt is definitely up towards the top of, 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 of unique places to play.
0: Yeah. I, I, there's so much about that story that I love and the, the sign, the go home Eddie, like, you know, yeah, yeah, but like, what... you know, it's, it's, it's like he already knew, but like, just, I, 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 just, I just, I just, I know and I love coach so much and, just seeing, I can see y'all in the locker room, and him turning to you, and say, "All right, here we go. We're, yeah. we're going out there." And like he knew it was coming there too. And it's just, it, and I know it was just because they loved him so much. He did such a great job there. And, and you talk about SEC basketball, how how good the fans are at Vanderbilt. And I'll never forget that feeling at Rupp Arena, and watching watching a pinned down screen come for Kentucky running a play, and and somebody coming off whoever, Sparks, whoever it was, coming off to catch a Three, even before he caught it, the crowd was rising up. They knew it was coming. So (laughs) everybody talks about ACC basketball. SEC basketball is unbelievable, and the fans are great too.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And I'll tell you, you know what? It's funny. It's it's one of those things. So, like I said, so so going from South Carolina to Boston College, and at the time Boston College was in the Big East. You know, the difference in in like the fans that were at the games was so much different. You know, Georgetown was playing like in the Landover or whatever, you know, they're playing in the NBA arena. There's not a lot of, you know, it's a different mm-hmm. type of fan. Um, you know, Providence is playing in the Providence civic center, not on campus. Uh, UConn was playing in the Hartford civic center, uh, Miami. We play, you know, Miami was fairly new to the big East. You go down and play where the heat play, you know? So it's, it's different. Like it's not the same, uh, in that old Big East. And that old Big East was great because guys would just, you know, beat the crap out of each other on the court and move on. It was awesome. But the fan, the, you know, the fan difference between the Big East and the, you know, the old Big East and the SEC is just, yeah, it was, it was that was a little bit, a little bit opening.
1: Well, coach, we'd like to wrap up the podcast here with a fun question. I don't know if you've listened to some episodes, but I know you haven't been on the court in a couple of years now, but if I ask players a coach that, that played for you uh, you know 10 years ago and players that played for you a couple of years ago, what's the one phrase or mantra they would say that Coach Nelson says over and over again?
2: <laughs> um, wow, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I think uh, well, I, I think, and even my, my kids make fun of me too because they would come to camp with me for years my camp. yo, my thing is I always say I always say yo yo, you know, yo fellas, yo fellas, that's my thing. You know, yo, yo this, yo that, yo fellas. Um, but, but I think, um, you know, all of my players throughout the year, I, I think maybe not a phrase, but but maybe something they will remember from me. Um, and actually it's funny. My wife mentioned it the other day. Um, I, I had this habit of at some point during just about every game, I would take my tie and huck it. I would literally take it off me and, fire it somewhere up down good bad you know i would never leave a game with a tie on and and i see players still and they they all kind of you know they 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 still laugh about that and joke about that and you know like, like they would say well why do you wear a tie well you know, you're supposed to wear a tie but it would never stay on and and i think that's the one thing and then you know again this is the nice thing with, with like facebook and the stuff these days I keep in touch with a lot of former players and actually a lot of south carolina guys but a lot of you know they they will you know th- there's a lot of tie throwing incidents they did talk about so I, I, I think the tie comes up comes up a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh maybe maybe there's a connection. I, I remember so I I'm born and raised in South Carolina going and watching games at Frank McGuire Arena and it always seemed that the opposing coach would chuck his coat into the stands after some work off. so maybe maybe there's some uh, transference there I don't know but uh maybe we can get into that next time we have you on but uh, <laughs> Adam Nelson the dirt king hoopdirt.com uh unbelievable having you here can't thank you enough for coming on the show this has been this has been incredible
2: yeah thank you guys for having me i, I enjoyed i enjoyed talking yeah, nice to talk to to some south carolina guys love talking basketball and uh yeah i appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on
0: that's right. Well, we'll start texting you about high school jobs, and they come open. Maybe you can. Have, well, never mind. You're, you're, you're busy enough as it is. <laughs> we can. Uh, we can. That
1: might be when your wife divorces you when you start doing high school jobs.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that could that could be it. That could be like the straw that breaks the camel's back. There, that might be the uh, that might be it. <laughs> That's
0: right. Well, again, thanks, Adam. This has been awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host Chris De Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Greatest Games.